0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast.
1: John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. We said that word tribulation means a pressing together. It means pressure. It is defined as affliction, distress, and different degrees of trouble or difficulty. This word tribulation is a pressing together. It is pressure. It is affliction, distress, and different degrees of trouble or difficulty. But Jesus says, be of good cheer, which means be courageous, be bold. Be joyful, cheer up, for I have overcome the world. Now, we've taught on this before. we studied this before. We realize that when Jesus won the victory, he gave us the victory. So when we face stuff in this life, we're facing it from the standpoint of we already have the victory, and we're enforcing our victory. That's why we can be bold in this life. That's why we can be joyful and courageous no matter what's in front of us, because we already know we have the victory. Say, I have the victory. Say, it's already done. Come on, let's say it again, put it in the chat. Say, I have the victory. It's already done. Now, Mark chapter 4. Now, we know Mark chapter 4 reveals to us Satan's five tactics. The only tactics he has is his favorite tactics. Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. Those are his five tactics they are repped in deceit. And one of the things that Jesus focuses on, verse 15 through 7, is the tactics of affliction and persecution. Affliction is the same word we see for tribulation in John 16. So that's pressure brought by circumstance. And all persecution is, is pressure brought by people. And in the parable, Jesus compares it to a scorching sun. Imagine, remember, he's telling this parable in the Middle East. So imagine the scorching sun in the desert and surrounding regions in the Middle East. Imagine that type of heat. And since the scorching sun caused the plant to wither because it didn't have much depth. That's what he compares, the pressure of affliction and persecution. And it says what happens when that pressure is applied, the King James says they are offended. Another translation says they stumble. That phrase for stumble or be offended means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one who he ought to trust and obey. That phrase stumble or to be offended means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust And obey. It also means to fall away. The whole reason, even Mark 4 says Satan is the one who brings this pressure, and it says he brings this pressure to make you stop trusting God and fall away. Because what happens when you stop trusting God? You put your trust and your faith in something else. We are made to trust something, and we live by trust every single day. Even those of you who mistrust every single person on this planet, and all of you think that everybody's out to get you, you still live by trust. Well, how do you know that? When you came in this room and sat down, you expected that chair to hold you up. You had trust in that chair. That chair is going to hold me. And now we didn't see anybody looking at, let's see, is there enough screws in this chair? You know, how old is this chair? Let me wobble a little bit. You had trust that that chair was gonna hold you up. Some of you had trust that your car was going to start this morning. Some of you didn't, but some of you did. You expected, whether you hit the button or you turned the key, that that car was going to turn on. We all operate by trust. And so when we take our trust out of God, we will put it in something else. We'll put our trust in our own abilities, our own education, who we know, how, what we look like, what can we do, what can we smooth over, what can we scheme, what can we do this, what can we do with our hands and we put our trust in ourselves instead of God. Or we put our trust in who we know. Or whoever your favorite political party or candidate is, you put your trust in them. Well, there enough, it's gonna work out for me. Or some of you, because I keep, have to keep nailing this, you put your trust in witchcraft. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I'm not gonna wear a black pointed hat and look like the Wizard of Oz. You may not look like you're the witch from the Wizard of Oz or the Wiz but you using all these roots, tarot cards, burning sage, and all this other stuff, you may not have a black pointed hat, but you might as well. It's still witchcraft. No matter what they put on social media, it is still witchcraft. Coming with all these new, new age things, angel numbers, all this, witchcraft. Stop playing with demons. You keep playing with demons, they'll make sure they keep showing up in your house. They'll jack you up and your children. Some of wonder, well, I don't know what well, my kids struggle with this. What door did you open? So, so on this point, let me talk to you who like that weed. There's nothing wrong with my weed. You know, God put the plant in the earth. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I know. Last week, my wife said, you stepped on everybody's toes. <laughs> Open-toed shoes, just walking by, stomp, stomp, stomp. Look, do you know how they got in the ancient pagan religions? Do you know how their priestesses would contact the other world? Especially in some of the Greek Roman religions. They would swing the priestess over a vat full of drugs, and they would get high. And they would come back and prophesy in another voice and speak on behalf of their God. Some of you think, oh, I'm just, you know, just little Mary Jane, it's, you know, how I have my vacation, I can't go anywhere, so let me have my own personal vacation and taking trips, you never left your house. You keep doing that, you're gonna run into something out there and come back with them. I don't care what they make legal, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's for you.
2: Just because it may be legal by American standards, you are part of the kingdom of God. You have a king,
1: and he's not elected every four years. He is not getting off his throne. Romans chapter 8. Today's message is called Keys to Surviving the Storm. Because sometimes the tests you run into life are an absolute storm. Sometimes you can cause a storm. And if you're doing all those things I just said, you cause some storms in your life. But there's sometimes there's some storms that show up, it ain't your fault. You didn't do anything. And sometimes, collectively, we all go through the same storm. Think about the last couple years. A storm hit the planet. And we all went through that storm. We may not all have been in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. So sometimes storms happen because of what you do. Sometimes storms happen because of the enemy. Sometimes storms happen just because of life. And sometimes they're literally global sized storms. And so I want today to give you keys to surviving the storm. Say keys, keys. to surviving the storm. So you ready for key number one? I said, are you ready for key number one? Number one, upgrade your expectation. Number one, upgrade your expectation because most of you just expect to survive and God did not call you to survive. Most of you expect to survive and God did not call you to survive. What does it say in Romans chapter 8, verse 37? Nay, in all these things, we are more than... Minister David, he didn't say survivor there, did he? He didn't say that. You know, we sing songs that were more than conquerors. We don't do the old Destiny's Child song. It's an I'm a survivor. No, no, we, we, that's not what we sing.
2: We sing that we are more than conquerors. We say we are more
1: than conquerors. You may have survived some things and I'm glad
2: you did, but God did not call you to survive. He called you to be more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. So you have to upgrade your expectations because all throughout, 1 John 5, 4 says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You are not a survivor. You are an overcomer. Say, I am not a survivor. I survivor. I I am an overcomer. Throughout Revelation chapter two, chapter three, Jesus is writing letters to the churches through the apostle John. And he ends it saying, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. overcomes." The expectation of your king is not that you survive, is that you overcome. That is his expectation for you. So get rid of the survivor mentality. And adopt the overcomer mentality. Adopt that I am a victor mentality. That means even if you've been through some things that have been horrific, you have to drop the victim status. Why? You may have gone through some things in your past, but because of who you are in Christ, your past is not strong enough to rule your future. So you got to leave some things in the past and get a new identity. Well, Pastor, how do you identify? As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer. That is my identity. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I am an overcomer. I win. That's what you got to do. Come on. If the hip-hop and rappers can have the confidence to say, all I do is win, why can't we have that boldness in the house of God? All I do is win. I don't care the battle. I don't care the giant. I don't care the circumstance. I don't call the situation. All I do is win. And when I get through, I'm going to make that enemy pay. That's what we do. That's who we are. But you got to renew your mind. you got to be careful what
1: you watch because they're always telling you, you can't win. You need to stop doing that. You know, we've done this example before, pulling from the whiz. Some of you are like Michael Jackson, Scarecrow, singing the crow anthem. The crow said you can't win, so you began to sing it
2: too. There's a whole bunch of crows out there Stop singing the Crow Anthem. Pick a new song. You are more than a conqueror. You are a victor. You are in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things I start saying every
1: day is one of the parts of my confessions is, I am, in, I am the body of Christ. Satan has no power over me. How I start my day. We have an enemy. He's a defeated enemy you need to remember that and you need to remember who you are in Christ Jesus not apart from him but who you are in him in him in whom in Christ that's where you are it says when you were saved you were the king Jesus as you were baptized into Christ meaning you were submerged and put
2: into Jesus you're not apart from him anymore. First Corinthians says that you are joined to him, one spirit with him. You are connected to Jesus wherever you go, on your good days, on your bad days, on your hot mess days, on I can't take another thing days. You are in Jesus. You are in the anointed one and his anointing. You need to have a different expectation of your life. Upgrade your expectation. If you're gonna get through the storm the way God wants you to get through the storm, you have to upgrade your expectation. Glory to Jesus. Go to
1: Luke chapter six. Upgrade your expectation. That was my introduction. Luke chapter 6. So let's talk about this storm. Luke chapter 6. Because Jesus tells this parable two different ways. Once in Luke and once in Matthew. There are differences in each one because he preached them two different places. But we want to analyze some things because it's going to help you identify the storms that you're facing. And Jesus said, it's a great question to start with, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? The word Lord means supreme in authority. If he's your Lord, you're supposed to do what he says. Amen. So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Then he goes on and says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, dug deep. Dug. He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it. Amen. That word shake, when it talks about a mental standpoint, it's talking about agitated. Could not agitate it, could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against when the stream beat vehemently and immediately, say immediately. immediately. Come on, put it on the chat. Say immediately. immediately. It fell. And the ruin of that house was great. See, in Luke says Jesus used the illustration of a river overflowing its banks and then flooding the area and then increasing in size until the force of the river is bursting against the house. In modern day standing, imagine a flash flood. How quickly is a flash flood? Boom. So this is a sudden storm. You didn't see it coming, storm. And with a flash flood, the river overflows quickly and with force carries things away. This is a sudden, overwhelming situation. Notice the result of the second builder. The fall was immediate and the damage was massive. The fall was immediate and the damage was massive, all because he did not dig deep and lay a foundation. So when the storm showed up, everything fell, not after a period of time, immediately. Go through Matthew 7. They did not dig deep, and they did not lay the foundation. So when a sudden overwhelming situation showed up, it fell immediately, and the destruction was great. It was massive. Look at Jesus telling it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. One's a sermon on the plain, the other's a sermon on the mountain. and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want you to notice something in this parable. This is a different location. One was built on the earth. Now this one is built on the sand, so this is on the beach. And when you're dealing with something on the beach, that means the ocean is right there. But in this parable, look at it closely. Not only is this one built on the sand, notice the frequency of and. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. That's just not one thing. That's not just a sudden thing. That is a continual and, 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 and. Like we talk about one thing and then another. You haven't dealt with the one thing, but and another. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And notice that it's with the intensity of the ocean behind it. Because one translation says, and the waves of the ocean came up. What is that like? What we describe it like a hurricane coming out of the ocean or the gulf. And you know one thing about a hurricane coming off the gulf or out of the ocean? Those things are, although the winds are fast, they move slow. They can actually move as slow as 10 miles per hour. So although this has been building and it's a frequent hit, it is a long storm with frequent hits over a long period of time. This is an overwhelming, intense, sustained situation. And notice what it said about the person who did not build on a rock or did not build on a foundation. It said the house fell. Notice it didn't say it immediately fell, but eventually it did. And great was its fall. So the damage was still massive. It stayed a little while, but eventually it fell because of the sustained pressure of that storm. It's not always immediate, but eventually it fell. But the issue in Luke and the issue of Matthew is the same, the foundation. Digging deep and putting the right foundation. Well, the question is, well, what is the foundation? And the Sunday school answer is, what is the foundation? What is the Sunday school answer? What is the come on, what is the, what, what will people say? They say, well, what, you know, we ask kids, what did you learn about today in church? Jesus. See, that's the same answer you gave when I said, what is the foundation? Like, Jesus is the foundation, but that's not what he said. So at, let's ask Jesus, what he said is the foundation we are to build on. He said, those who come to him, hear what he has to say, and then do it. Because these two examples, he's not really even talking about people who don't know him. He's not talking about, he's not talking about pagans, he's not talking about people who've never heard him before. He's talking about two groups of people that came to him and heard him. The difference is number three. Did you do what he said? That's number three. Did you do what he told you to do? That's the difference of digging deep and having a foundation or building a house on the sand or on the earth with no foundation. Did you do what he told you to do? So that means if we wanna have a good foundation in our life, we have to frequently come to Jesus. The Bible tells us we boldly approach the throne of grace. So we go to him in prayer. That means we actually gotta be in the Bible during the week, not just on Sunday. So whether it's a physical Bible or you got the Bible up, either way, you need to be in the Bible in between Sundays if you showed up on Sunday or tuned in on Sunday. Got to open your Bible more than that. You come to him in the word of God. You come to him in community, because he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That means although if you are people who like, you know what? people exhaust me. You know, people get on my nerves. Remember, you as a people. Okay. For all you introverts, you still need other people. You may just need to hang out with some other introverts. Even if all you do is gather together and look at your phones together, at least you guys gather together. That's so the same time next week, same time next week. Because sometimes in the middle of you being introverted together, someone may open up and in their own introverted way, pray and just help you be strengthened. No matter what your personality, who you are, you still need people. You still need a faith family. You still need to be part of a community. Because none of us are called to stand by ourselves. We're supposed to stand together. We are better together. That's what we have to do. But then also, that lets you know you need to come to church. The Bible tells us that as we see the day close approaching, Jesus coming back, we need to come to church even more frequently. Let everybody in this room and online say, amen. So whether you're in this house or online, you need to make sure that you are here. now, while the people in here, you can just look at me and just say amen, because, we know, everybody thinks that you ought to do this. But for those of you who are watching at home, whether it's live or via replay, is it just playing on in the background, or are you paying attention? I'm glad your couch heard the word, but did you hear it? Remember, Jesus also said, pay attention how you hear because, with the same measure you meet, the same way how you hear is going to determine what you're going to receive. So, if you hear with, all oh, I heard in the background, that sounded good, that's a result of the word you'll get. But if you actually pay attention and you focus, then you'll receive more. So, number two, gave you key number one. Key number two is check your foundation, check your foundation. I'll let me you know it's not impossible to build a foundation and fix a house during a hurricane. It's not impossible, it's hard, but it's not impossible. And if you are in a storm right now, you need to check your foundation. It's going to take a lot of work, but you still need to do it. If you're not in a storm right now, the wise person would make sure the foundation is good. Make sure what they're building on is correct. Make sure that you're doing what he told you to do. You know, a lot of people say, well, oh, I can't hear God talk to me, he never talks to me. And sometimes I us ask, well, what is the last thing he said? Well, he said this. Did you do it yet? Uh, Well, see what happened was. (laughs) Did you do the last thing he told you to do? And if you did it, how well did you do it? Do you need to do it again? Do you need to fix something you were doing? Check your foundation. Say, check Check the the foundation. Remember, Jesus said the person dug deep. Just like he said in Mark 4, the people who... scorched away did not dig deep. So if you're going to dig deep, that means you let the Word of God go deep in your heart and affect how you think. It's not, I know the Bible says this, but I know the Bible says this, but this is 2022. I know the Bible says this, but I got needs. I know the Bible says this, but I'm lonely. You know, you got to be careful of the people who only show up when you got more money. I know it's not refund check time, and I know it's not that, but some of you got this extra money with student loan cancellation, and some extra money, and so people you haven't seen in a while show up, hey, how you doing? No. But past, I'm lonely. It's, getting, it's about to be cold soon. I, I, I don't wanna go through another winter by myself. It is better to be by yourself in peace than shacking up with the devil who will leave you right before Valentine's Day so they
2: don't have to buy you a gift.
1: You gotta let this Bible affect your mind. You gotta let it affect your emotions. Well, I'm angry. Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. It also tells you to deal with your anger. It gives you less than 24 hours to deal with your anger. So if you stay angry longer than 24 hours, because if you stay in anger, you will eventually sin. You have to let it affect your thoughts. Why are you jealous of that person? Because something good happened to them. You didn't say anything. You didn't comment on social media, but on the inside, you're like, mm, I don't know why they got an idea. Ah, check that thought immediately. It's like, nope, I'm not thinking about that. I'm gonna encourage them. I'm gonna rejoice with those who rejoice. You need to check your mindset. You need to check your jealousy. No matter who you're jealous of, your neighbor or the billionaire, whoever, check it. You have to let this Bible affect your desires. You mean that God wouldn't want me to have everything I want? If what you want is against the Bible, then no. Well, what does the Bible say? Crucify your flesh and the lust thereof, or the desires thereof. So if there's a desire that does not line up the Word of God, the Word of God expects you to crucify it. Put it to death, say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, how do I do that? You consistently stand on the word, say, I am not going to do that. You have to crucify your flesh because your flesh, if you let it, will kill you. Your flesh, unchecked, will take you to an early grave. You have to, the real you, your spirit, has to dominate your body through the renewing of your mind. You have to continually renew your mind with the word of God so you keep your body under. Because if you don't, you're gonna have some issues. You need to check your foundation. You have to check your philosophy about life. Do you know how many people think they're standing on the Bible and it's really nothing in the Bible they say? People say stuff all the time. Well, the Bible says this, no, it doesn't. Well, does the Bible say that, no. Well, that sounded smart. Well, it is smart. It wasn't the Bible, it was Benjamin Franklin, but it was. You need to check what you really believe. Remember, James says, Jesus little brother says be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving yourselves so if you hear the word and don't do it you trick yourself do you know how many people come to church hear the word it's oh man I'm having a great week I checked off my spiritual checklist I came to church let me selfie post check-in I'm here and so I don't know why my week didn't work out right well did you do what you heard The Bible says Satan comes for the word. Did you do what Jesus told you to do? Because if not, you'll come up with your own philosophy of why you shouldn't come to church no more. Oh, church is full of hypocrites, so are everywhere else. Restaurants, gyms, the government, your office, your neighborhood, hypocrites are everywhere. And you just maybe want to. That word hypocrite means actor. An actor that puts on a mask. You trick yourself. Well, bad people come to church, bad people go everywhere. Well, all the church wants money. Everybody wants your money. Everybody. Even if they cancel your debt, they want your money another way. You really think the government is gonna cancel your debt and they want your money somewhere else down the line? Everybody, not even everybody, everybody want your money. So don't let that lie say, well, I can't come to church because everybody wants your money. But you'll trick yourself if you only hear the word and you don't do it. It even says Satan tricked you. It said you tricked yourself. Man, that's one of the worst deceptions, self-deception, self-deception deceive. Because then you become self-righteous. And you become proud of what you believe. Now you're in the enemy's territory. Like, I got you now. And you did it yourself. And even say that sin came and stole the word. You did it. You were bad all by yourself. Say, so I can leave them alone. They're good. They, they'll destroy themselves. They'll come find me. You have to hear and do. For it says here, for if anyone, James 1, 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Notice a forgetful hearer. And some of us, are hardest right, but we just forget. Anybody forget something? It's like, man, the message was good. What are you talk about? I, I don't know, but I felt something. <laughs> so what do you need to do? Take notes. Now, the reason I give you my notes, and then within a few hours, it'll be on YouTube and Facebook and podcasts, everything, to help you not be a forgetful hearer. But while you have these notes and this word and all the stuff we have online and technology, while we're talking, Jesus is talking to your heart, and you need to write down what he says so that you don't forget. And James says, if you do these things, you will be blessed in your doing. Now go with me to First Corinthians chapter 3.
0: 1 Corinthians chapter 3.
1: And by context, in 1 Corinthians, the first seven chapters, Paul's still getting, to, up until chapter 7 verse 1, Paul's getting the church of Corinth back in line before he answers any of their questions. And in chapter 3, he's dealing with a whole bunch of stuff, but in context, he's talking about how they built the church of Corinth, what God did, the order God had, and what God was doing. He's answering these questions of strife you see show up in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and the beginning parts of chapter 3. And as he's dealing with this, He's talking about laying the foundation of a church. But he also, when you look at it, you can apply it to laying the foundation of your life. You can look at how you live your life and when troubles show up on earth. You can also look at how you live your life and when you stand before God and your life is judged. Now understand, you will be judged by God. One day, you will show up at the throne of God and you have to give account for how you lived your life in this body. Now, that's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's different than the great white throne judgment. You do not want to be there. If you're there, it's going to get hot real quick. (laughs) That's not where you want to be. The judgment seat of Christ is the judgment seat every believer comes to. And God examines your life, and then he gives rewards for what you did right. Well, what if I did wrong? That's not going to be before him. So what do you mean it's not going to be before him? Didn't the blood wash away your sins? So you're at the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to be judged for all the stuff you screwed up. You're going to receive a reward or a crown for what you did right. Well, what if you didn't do anything right? Well, you made it in. You're in. You don't got the crown or the special robe. Or, just like, well, just go sit down somewhere. You're in. Because nothing you did stood the test of eternity. So just come on in, sit down. There's a number of people who made it in that way, but that that's not what you want to be. That's not what I want to be. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy, the celebration, the party of your master. That's what I want to hear. But how you live your life determines what you're going to hear. It even determines the type of entrance you have into the kingdom. It says there's an entrance being prepared for people. When people go to heaven, there is a unique entrance for how they come in that is connected to how they live before him on earth. Because you gotta think, you live for Jesus, for eternity, you are in a reward. For eternity, God rewards you for how you lived on this planet. Even if you lived 120 years, it's a drop in the bucket to eternity. So that should help add some weight to your decisions. Do I really want to live for the devil and end up burning forever? Or messing up what God has me on this earth? Or do I really want to live for him, experience the abundant life he's provided on this earth, and then go into eternal life in heaven and enjoy rewards for the rest of my life? That has to be in your mindset with every single thing you do and how you raise your children. Because sometimes one of the most important things you can do for the kingdom of God is who you raise. Because if Jesus tarries, long after you're gone, their imprint will still be in the earth and in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So we can talk about this going into eternity, but just talk about the fires or the test of life. Now wood, hay, and straw, wood, hay, and stubble in the King James is not bad things. It's not. What are these building materials? They just happen to be flammable building materials. And think about, this is 2,000 years ago, And Paul is writing to this community, and there's a lot of houses that are built out of this. They're familiar with city fires. That if the foundation is right, everything burns away, but guess what happens if the foundation's still there? You can build again. If the foundation was made out of the right stuff. And so not just check your foundation. Number three, check your building materials. Check your building materials. Are you building and basing your life and making decisions out of stuff that will last the test of time? Or are you doing, see a lot of people, we love the quick schemes, the get-rich-quick schemes. We like, okay, man. And so we apply it to everything. Man, if I give today, I can be a millionaire tomorrow. That's not how it works. Now there is harvest. There is the hundredfold return. There is prosperity. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. It does say all that. But Jesus is not a slot machine. He's not Las Vegas. Come on, Jesus. That's not how his laws operate. He does want to prosper you, but it doesn't work that way. There is some time you have to put in. So that means with every decision you make, you need to make sure you are making decisions based off the Word of God. Because what happens if you don't and the storm hits, the test comes, a lot of stuff you built will fall. But you say, who I made it? Yeah, because your foundation was right. But it is your house, your life, made out of the right stuff. Proverbs 24, 3 through 7 says this way, through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. So if you're going to build, you have to have wisdom. Remember, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. We live in an information age, we live in a disinformation age, we live in a fake news age, we live in a whole bunch of ages of information going everywhere. We receive more information in a week than a few generations ago did in their entire lifetime. We receive information all the time. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's half true. Sometimes the people saying it don't know what they're talking about. So what do you do? Through the wisdom of God, you, can, you have to see, well, is this something I need to act upon? And if I do need to act upon it, how am I supposed to specifically apply it? Because the specific application for your life may be different than the specific application for your neighbor's life. You receive the information. How are you supposed to apply it? That's wisdom. And the Scripture says in Psalm 111 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? That is the reverence for God. It's reverence and respect toward Him, His Word, and His ways. So if you want to have wisdom that stands the test of time and build a life that can stand a storm, you need to make sure you respect God. And respecting God is more than singing a song about reverence. It's placing honor in him. Honor in his name. Honor in his word. Honor in his ways. It's where his ways, his word is weightier. Well, what does it mean by weightier? That means I choose what he says over than what I say. I choose what he says over what the culture says. I don't do it for the culture. I do it for the kingdom. I choose what he says. You put weight to his way. You put weight to his word. That's the reference toward God. And then we already looked at a couple of weeks ago, James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubt, and for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So what do you next? Ask? ask God for what to do. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for his insight. We looked at even the context of James chapter one previously. They're going through tests. They're going through trials. They need the wisdom of God. Ask God for his wisdom. Wisdom is more than just knowing what to do in the moment. It is like your operating system. If you have a phone, if you have a tablet, it has an operating system. If you have a computer, it has an operating system. You may have a whole bunch of apps a a bunch of things on that device, but the way all those apps do what they're supposed to do is because behind their scenes is an operating system. And how often do you update your operating system? Some of you, your phone haven't been updated for five years. It's like, nope, 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 nope. But sadly, some of our spiritual lives are even worse. We updated operating systems in a couple decades. When was the last time you checked in with God? I so said, God, am I still heading in the right direction? I'm not saying you ain't saved. And I'm not saying you're backslidden, but are you doing what he told you to do today? A lot of people do what he said 25 years ago. And they keep doing that. Even if God told them to move on, they ignored that because it's uncomfortable to go forward and they keep doing what worked. I had a man of God tell me earlier this year, a man of God in ministry, he said, you know, many people won't move into the next move of God because what they did previously worked and it will keep working, but they won't go on to what God really wants to get accomplished. And he said, don't be that person. You got check to check in with God. I know another leader told me years ago, don't marry the method. You're married to the message of the gospel, not the method. Another way, I love to use this example of Elijah by the brook. God told him to go by the brook, right? It wasn't his idea. But eventually God said to go to Zarephath. He enjoyed the brook. And Uber eats by the brook. He was enjoying his old woodland adventure by the brook. He was having a good time, but one day the brook dried up, and he had to move. Sometimes things dry up because you haven't taken the next step of what Jesus told you to do. And he says go to Zarephath, but Jesus, I like the brook. I don't want to go to Zarephath. I don't want that wood woman to stay me. I don't want to go there. I want to stay at the brook. So you twist Your faith confession. How can you take God's Word and speak to a situation He told you not to be in? Because you'll speak the Word to that situation. You'll prophesy to it. You'll dance. You'll run. You'll backflip. You'll sing all the praise songs you know. You'll sing all the hymns you know. You say, well, what was that hymn Grandma used to sing? You sing that too. So why isn't this changing? Because you are at the brook when you're supposed to be at Zarephath. Now we know Zarephath wasn't the final stop. We know he has to get to Mount Carmel and deal with the prophets of Baal. A lot of people want fire calling down power, but they've never left the brook yet. If you don't
2: leave the brook and go to Zarephath, you'll never get to Mount Carmel to deal with the prophets of Baal. You have to learn to move with the Holy Ghost. You have to learn to follow the wisdom of God. Daily check in. Is there a tweak I need to make? Am I heading in the right direction? If you want
1: to go into the future, God has for you, you have to keep checking in with him. He's the God who gives ideas, concepts, and insights. He is creative. He'll give you innovations, disruptive innovations, but you have to check in with him. Let's go to Acts chapter 27 and bring this to a close. Acts 27. Acts chapter 27. The apostle Paul is a prison on a boat. He's heading to Rome. Jesus already told them that he'd go to Rome, so he's now he's going there. And they're at this stop. This place is not, it's okay, but it's not somewhere we want to stay for winter. You don't want to stay for a few months. You want your creature comforts. And this prisoner preacher goes to the captain and to the guard saying, Hey, I perceive that if we take this voyage, it's gonna cause much damage to the ship, but also to our lives. And they're listening. But the captain says, prisoner, preacher, I know the water. I know what it's going to do. It's better for us to go a little bit further and get to that next spot, because that's where we really want to stay for the winter. And the person in charge from Rome decides to go with the advice of the captain. You can't really blame him, because he's not a believer, but he goes with what he knows. But what happens as they get a little bit further? Are you a colliding, a hurricane on the water? catches this ancient boat. Imagine a hurricane on water catching one of our major vessels today. It's a problem, right? But imagine an ancient boat being tossed by a hurricane on water. Not for a couple hours. The storm was so severe, they were caught up in so long, no sun and no stars. Imagine that darkness. And it said it went on for 14 days. That is a sustained storm. Imagine the boat is going back and forth. This is not, you're not on a cruise. Imagine, and I know some of you are ready for lunch, but imagine this, everybody's throwing up. Everybody is seasick. Because everybody's tossed back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And Luke is writing this because he's there. And Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke and Acts, This mighty man of God, anointed. We all thought we were going to die. And then it says, Paul disappears for a little bit. And then he comes back and he says in chapter 27, verse 21. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Yep. And, not, and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you, take heart or be of good cheers, another translation says, for there'll be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. This seems contradictory. What do you mean we're not going to die? Have you seen this storm we've been in for a couple of weeks? We're all gone for, but he says, and remember the audience he's talking to. His friends are believers, but nobody else is. No one else is a believer. The rest of them believe in pagan gods. And he tells them, be of good cheer. There'll be no loss of life among you, but the ship's done for. He says, verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. You gotta remember who you belong to and remember who you serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, man, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. So key five and six, learn how to follow the leading of God in your spirit. Because Paul said, I perceive he didn't say, God told me. He didn't say, I heard a voice. What did he perceive? On the inside, he sensed this direction was going to bring trouble. On the inside. He perceived it. It's the inner witnesses on the inside. And if they listened, they wouldn't have had to deal with that storm. So key five, you need to learn how to follow the direction of God in your spirit. One of the best books I can have you read is How to Follow the Spirit of God by Kenneth e. Hagen. One of the things he said the Lord told him, One of the best things you can teach people living at the end times is how to follow the Spirit of God. You have to learn how to follow him on the inside, not relying on everything on the outside. What is he telling you to do in here? Number six, notice what Paul did. He stepped back. He paused. He stepped back from the storm. He took a breath so that he could hear from God. You have to learn that even in the storm, don't lose your head. Step back. Pause, breathe, take a moment to hear from God. Because what some of us do in storms and intense situations, we get more busy. We have a whole bunch of busyness and a whole bunch of activity, but no productivity. Never mistake busyness for productivity. And when you're in a storm, it's not the time for busy work, it's time to hear from God. So you have to learn how to step back, pause, And listen and then notice what Paul said after that I believe God it will be just like it was told me I remember the last sermon I heard Oral Roberts preach in person that great general of God used in the tents back in the 40s and 50s where miracles just popping off everywhere Last sermon, I heard him preach in person. His ministry, his university was going through a storm at that moment. And he's sitting down on that platform preaching to us. When I heard he was gonna be there, I text Bishop. I said, oh, Roberts is here. He said, breathe deep, get everything you can. So I did. And he got to this point in this chapter. And he said, I believe God. is the
2: rallying cry in the storm. And when you say, I believe God, angels get to working, angels get to moving. When you say, I believe God,
1: You must make your declaration of faith in the middle of the storm. You must say what God told you to say. What did Paul say? He said, there stood by me this night an angel of God. He told me, do not be afraid. God has given the lives of everybody on this boat. I believe God. It will be just like he told me. So you have to hear from God in the storm and you gotta say what he said. You must make
2: your declaration of faith in the middle of the storm. Not you coming up with your own words. You saying what he said.
1: It's not just a faith confession. When you're saying it in a situation like this, it's a faith
2: declaration. In the midst of the storm, everything's still going on, the winds, the thunder, lightning, everything's going on, the rain. And he's shouting over and saying, I believe God your faith has to rise above the circumstance. Your faith has to rise above the situation. Your faith has to rise above the thunder. Your faith has to rise above the lightning. Your faith has to rise above the wind. Your faith has to rise above the hurricane. So in the midst of the hurricane, everything hears, I believe God. And
1: then he said, take heart. be of good cheer. Cheer up. So for all those of you in the storm right now, cheer up. Put a smile back on your face. Be bold. Be courageous. Why? Because you believe God. Yep, the wind is still blowing. Yep, it still smells because everybody threw up. But I believe God. So I have a reason to smile. I believe God, so I have a reason to rejoice. I believe God, so I have a reason to be bold. I believe God. It will be just like he told me. And you know what? Everything he said happened. They all survived, and eventually they made it to an island. And so now they're trying to gather up some sticks to make a fire, because they're soaked. They're drenched. They need to get warm. And Another thing happened, I feel like DJ Khaled, and another one. He takes this wood pile and a snake jumps out and bites him. It's a venomous, he's supposed to die. And Paul just, Taylor Swift shakes it off. (laughs) And he keeps moving, going on with his life and everybody is watching. This is real world, Island of Malta, everybody's just watching, expecting Paul to die. And as they kept watching, He didn't swell up. He didn't die. And they said, well, he must be a god. And so what happens while he's on this island? They find out that the chief of this island, his father, is sick. So Paul goes in, prays for him, and he's healed. Then what happens? Everybody else on that island who was sick or any type of affliction came to Paul. And guess what? They were all healed. So what happens on the other side of the storm? There's a revival. On the other side of the storm, in an island who knows if you would ever gotten to, there's a revival. People are healed. People are delivered. People get saved. And Paul is there for months. And then it says that all the people, Luke said it this way, they didn't show us any little courtesy. They kept bringing stuff. And so now, who has the finest clothes on the island? Because remember, everything else is in the ocean somewhere. But who has the best new clothes? Paul. It says so they gave him all the stuff and the money. Because they were just so grateful for what was happening on the island. It says so they loaded them down with stuff. And then one of the best ships of the ancient world comes to pick them up. And so Paul reaches Rome dressed in some new clothes with more than enough. Because it says he lived in a rented house for two years. The word rented house doesn't mean just rented a place. It means he rented a place and he had people helping, taking care of the place. Well, how did he pay for it? All the stuff he got after the storm. And see, the stuff is good. We're grateful for the stuff. But what's better than the stuff? That revival on the island. He made it through a storm that wasn't his fault. And now on the other side of the storm, a whole island is transformed.
2: On the other side of the storm.
1: Not only is Paul good, now a whole island is good. And a whole boatload of people heading to Rome now have a testimony. They've all seen it. They've all heard it. See, when you get through the other side of the storm, talk about last week, you can make the enemy pay. What happened after the storm in Mark 4? Jesus got to Mark 5, delivered to to the demoniac and a whole region heard about the compassion of Jesus. On the other side of the storm is some good stuff. That's why you can't stop now. You got to keep moving because on the side, the other side of the storm, yes, it's your victory. It's your harvest, but there's somebody who needs you to stick with it because when you get to the other side of the storm, somebody else will be saved. Somebody else will be healed. Somebody else will be delivered. Somebody else will be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's revival on the other side of the storm.
0: Amen. I believe today's message encourage you, it's strengthen you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You can also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook,